This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I, I was uh, talking to someone before I started the show and said that uh, I've got an epic show, so I don't know if it'll be epic, but uh, let's see what I come up with, shall we? Um, I'm always interested to see what I'm going to be talking about. So what have I got on the list today? Oh, um, what is in a name, or how does somebody get a name, or how does a band Specifically, how does a band get a name? And uh, I want to talk about this because it, it shows sort of a it, it shows how uh, interesting history is and how difficult it can be to get history correct, and and how your memory, of course, is not videotape. It's uh, subject to all kinds of effects uh, over time. Uh, other people's memories or stories of a, of an event change what you remember about that event and it's it you know it's very tricky it's very very tricky so a couple of weeks ago i was chatting online uh with uh, my friend craig he's one of the minnesota skeptics folks and uh one of my shows was playing on that's on a saturday night and uh he was in the chat room and then after my show ended we just kind of migrated over to facebook and continued chatting with each other there and Something that we were discussing, I'm not sure how it came up, but um, uh, Craig is a fan of Led Zeppelin, the band Led Zeppelin. I don't know if he's as much of a fan of Led Zeppelin as I am of The Who, but um, he's a fan. And i got to say, it took a long time for me to warm up to Led Zeppelin. Uh, I mean a long time. When I was much younger and listening to the crappy stuff... You know, Sticks, Foreigner, you know, Journey, you know, that stuff. Listening to that crap. Which I've gone, I, I've my heart has softened a little toward them, and I think, well, that song isn't so bad. Wheel in the Sky isn't a terrible song. I kind of like how it's constructed. It's not that terrible. You know, and Sticks has a couple interesting things here and there. And Foreigner, Cold as Ice, I suppose, is okay. But then they went into this rock ballad thing, which was pretty much all they ever did was rock ballads after Foreigner 4. Anyway. But I just... There was something about Led Zeppelin when I was younger, and I just didn't really... I didn't really catch on to it. I think think my main problem was, early on, was Robert Plant's voice. Not saying that he has a bad voice, it just wasn't a voice that, that I was warming up to. I mean, he certainly has a great blues voice. And uh, and that's kind of what Led Zeppelin was. It's just really hard rock and blues band. But they also kind of threw in some of the prog sort of elements into their stuff. They play these really long songs that would kind of go through all these weird changes and things like that. And I think some of those that I would hear, like yeah, "Dazed and Confused," still doesn't really do much for me. You know, so it, I mean, so I was reluctant on that band for a long time. But. Uh, I did begin to warm up to them, and uh, there's a there's a few of their quite a few of their songs that I do like, and I like their album Led Zeppelin Four. I think that's what it's called. I don't know if that's the actual name, but I think people call it that. And that's uh, that's the one with Stairway to Heaven on it. And Stairway to Heaven isn't the best song on that album. I'm not saying that because I'm some kind of hipster or something. I just I like the song Rock and Roll better. I like When the Levee Breaks better. Uh, those are both on that album. And, I, and just, you know, they're cool. So anyway, Craig and I are talking about Led Zeppelin 
for whatever reason. And then I asked him, I said, do you, do you know the story of how Led Zeppelin got their name? And I shouldn't have been surprised that he did. I mean, guys our age, he's, he's a little bit younger than I am, and I'm very old. Oh, man, I was in uh, uh, Little Caesars the other night. The stopping after work, picking up some, you know, some cheap, but, uh, okay food, and uh, and I re at some point I stood there and I looked around and I thought to myself, I'm the oldest person in here, <laughs> and not that there was a lot of young young people, but there was a I saw a couple that were in their 30s and maybe you know some one that was in his 40s, but I, I was I looked around and I thought I was pretty sure I'm the I'm the oldest person in here. That didn't last very long because another couple of guys came in that thought, ah, those guys might be older than me. That one especially. He's all gray. So he, you know, he kind of looks older than me. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, guys of a certain age who like rock music probably would know this story. If you like The Who and you like Led Zeppelin, if you like those two bands, you're probably going to know the story. So I will tell you the story as I learned it and as best as I can remember learning the story of how Led Zeppelin got their name. Uh, long about, oh, it was the, the mid-60s. The Who had not done Tommy yet, so they were still really struggling. Uh, smashing up all their instruments was costing them a lot of money, and they just, you know, they just weren't getting as successful as, uh, as they were hoping. Tommy changed all that. Tommy became this mega album that sold and sold and sold, and their concerts sold out, and they just started making money hand over fist. And it you know, made up all the difference for all the busted-up instruments. And then about that time, they stopped busting up their instruments so much. So kind of helped along. And But before that happened, John Entwistle, the bass player, and Keith Moon, the drummer, you knew that, right? Uh, they were contemplating leaving the band for whatever reason. They weren't very happy in the Who, and they thought, "Let's let's you know, let's you and I leave this band, and we'll get together with uh, you know with some other you know known rock stars, and we'll make a super group kind of thing." I think that was kind of the thinking, and Jimmy Page was one of the guys that they were considering being with, and uh, that never came to pass. It never happened. Uh, the Who stuck together. They went on to record Tommy. They became the megastars with the big big bucks and all that. And so it never happened. Now, while they were discussing doing the supergroup with Jimmy Page, Keith Moon said, well, that'll probably go over like a Led Zeppelin. And that's... this, you know, So it didn't happen with them, but then Jimmy Page put together a band and used the name. That's the story as I remember hearing it. And I told that to Craig, and Craig says, yeah, that's, that's kind of pretty much what he remembered. And, but then there were just little, little things, like, well, was, uh, you know, uh, we started looking online for the stories of it. And so we found, actually, uh, Keith Moon said that would go over like a lead balloon, and then John Entwistle chimed in and said, nah, more like a lead Zeppelin, which kind of sounds right because John Entwistle had that just that odd macabre and dark sense of humor and that would seem like a thing that he would his mind would get you know would go to and then I found stories that that Keith Moon didn't name him it was John Entwistle who did who came up with the name and then there was a story that uh, uh, Keith Moon said lead balloon but it didn't happen uh, they didn't get together uh, Jimmy Page went on to start another band, which initially was called the New Yardbirds, and at the older members, uh, former members of the band, the Yardbirds, had said, "No, no, no, you can't just don't, don't you can't keep using Yardbirds. Come up with a different name." So Jimmy Page remembered the joke that Moon had made, and then decided Balloon wasn't quite as cool, so he came up with Led Zeppelin, dropped the A out of Led, L-E-A-D made it L-E-D so that make sure that there would be no mispronunciation of the name. It was Led Zeppelin, not Lead Zeppelin. So this, you know, so there's all these little variations of this story that we're finding on the internet. And, and uh, you know, Craig's finding some and I'm finding some until at some point we found the story that really closely matched the story that I knew. And then we were done. <laughs> we were just, okay, 
Yeah, we we found it. That's the story. That wasn't exactly the attitude, but we were just kind of done. So, well, well, you know, okay, that story is out there. I'm not crazy. That's I do know that story. And I and and then I started racking my brain as where I heard it from. Now, we like I said, we stopped our conversation. You know, it was late. It was one or two in the morning, and so got off the off the internets. And and uh, Craig told me that uh, the next day he starts thinking about that conversation and he thought isn't it interesting that as soon as we came up with the story that closely resembled the one i remembered we were done discussing it and which was kind of true it's like okay we found we we found the narrative that i'm comfortable with i'm no, i'm going to stop challenging myself on this but we we talked about it uh at the next uh skeptics meetup and and so that we we you know, so he kind of recharged me into thinking, yeah, let's let's look at this a little more, and that's where I was finding all these different things. There's a, uh, there was there's part of the story is that uh, the band did kind of form with John and Keith, and Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck, and I think there was maybe one or two other people in there. Uh, I want to say Steve Winwood, but I'm not sure. And they this 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 super group got together and they put out a song called Beck's Bolero, which is uh, that the, the classic tune from uh, the movie 10. You remember that? I think it's Ravel's... Ravel? Is that who it is? Bolero? Anyone? Anybody, anybody know? If you know, let me know. Anyway, so that, that, that they did a rock version of it. And one of the interesting things about that recording, you can find it on YouTube and I'll, I'll, I'll link to it, is that uh, it starts out kind of mellow and, you know, just you know, just kind of builds a little bit, and then it kicks in. And when it kicks in, if you know anything about Keith Moon and the way he plays drums, it's just, you know, it's just, he just attacks the drum kit. And his attack was so vicious, he either blew out a microphone or knocked it away so that most of it, from that point on, most of his drum sound was not even on the song. You'll notice, it, it, when I link to it, you check out the song, it'll get to that part, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Because I read about it in his uh, his biography uh, called Dear Boy. And anyway, so that's just kind of interesting. So they, they did sort of have kind of this group, but it's, it never did pan out. And, and But I was finding different versions. Uh, Craig found a version from a book that he has. It's an unauthorized uh, biography of Led Zeppelin called uh, Hammer of the Gods. I think that's what it's called. And the story there had there's a fellow named Richard Cole who was the uh, who was the tour manager of Led Zeppelin. And he said that um, he, uh, he said it was Entwistle that came up with the idea. You know um, that Moon was involved, but it was Entwistle. He said everybody says it was was Mooney, but no, it was it was John Entwistle who came up came up with it. Well, I, I don't know, and it, it's hard to know exactly what it is because I see all kinds of sources. Rolling Stone had one version of the story, um, uh, and this this thing called Behind the Name. It's a series of uh, uh, of uh, videos, I guess that. that We'll do little two-minute pieces about the names of bands, and there's one called you know behind the behind the name Led Zeppelin, and they credit Keith Moon with coming up, uh, uh, commenting on the uh, new Yardbirds lineup, and he said that would go over like a Led Zeppelin. That's what this thing. So there's this disparity, and I guess we'll never really know. Uh, I think it's fairly clear that Keith Moon and John Entwistle were involved. But you know, it's it's interesting how difficult history can be. And I'm not a historian, and Craig's not a historian. So, but we did what we could there. And there's 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 got to be a whole discipline to it, on finding sources, finding original sources, or as close to original sources as you can. Uh, there's a there's a video on YouTube that is about it's a biography about Led Zeppelin and long about the I don't know I think the 15 minute mark in there. Uh, Richard Cole shows up and he tells the story about how the name came to be and he he says it was John Entwistle that came up with the name. He's fairly close to original source. Um, I didn't I I don't know if Jimmy Page has said anything about it. He's still alive. I, you know it's, it'd be difficult to track this down. And I'm reminded uh, it's also related to the Who. That, that there's a story that's told about how Keith Moon uh, um, 
how he auditioned for the band. They had the Who uh, had when they were called the Detours, and then they were called the Who for a little bit, and then they went to being called the High Numbers, and then they went back to the Who. Somewhere in these transitions, they were working with uh, an, uh, a drummer that was about ten years older than than John and Pete and Roger. He was just a little too out of it. He you know he, like he had a day job, and his he was his life was not going to become a rock star kind of guy. And these younger dudes were more interested in that. His name was Doug Sandum, I think. Anyway, so they, they, they wanted him out of the band, and they wanted a new drummer, and the word was getting out, and the Who were playing a gig. And <clears throat> as Pete tells it, Keith Moon comes up, and he's all he's all ginger-looking, you know, clothes-dyed ginger, you know, it's, I guess red, and red hair, and just comes up, and he says, I can play better than that guy. They were taking a break or something. I can play better than him. And so they said, well, go ahead and show us what you got. And he went up, and he practically destroyed the drum kit, and they said, yep, this is the guy for us. That's the story that Pete tells in The Kids Are All Right. But in that biography, Dear Boy, which is about you know the life of Keith Moon, the author, uh, Tony Fletcher, I think, uh, if I'm wrong, I'll correct myself, but he says that it's likely he th- he believes it's likely that there was an actual audition. He he found other sources talking about there was an audition at a rehearsal space that wasn't at one of the gigs, uh, that kind of thing. And one of the reasons why he stands by that is because we don't have any of the fans of the band remembering being there, watching Keith Moon get up on the stage and audition for the band. You know, there was an audience there. They were just taking a break in their set, whatever. So I, I think that you know he might be on to something there. But again, this is how hard history is to nail down. And these, these guys know how to do the research and look and, and look and find the stuff they need to find and, uh, and do it. So like I said, I think it seems clear that Keith Moon and John Entwistle were at least somewhat involved in the name of the band for Led Zeppelin. Maybe not completely involved, but how exactly they were involved, a little murky, because lots of different versions of that story. Uh, let's see. Um, I occasionally get to be a little snarky on my Facebook. <laughs> uh, I get a little snarky um, in that I had uh, one of my uh, Facebook friends. She's a young woman who uh, used to be a member of Z Talk Radio. She used to be a Z Talker. She used to have a show. She and her now husband, then boyfriend, uh, they used to have a show. I don't know if they're planning on trying to do one again or not. But uh, anyway, so she's because she's you know she's not me, <laughs> and and by that I mean she's not the resident skeptic of of Z Talk Radio. Uh, she's. Not she's you know everybody's skeptical to some degree about you know in some fashion about some sorts of claims. People you know everybody's skeptical at least a little bit. At least most people are. They're just not as as good at it as I am, <laughs> and I'm always learning to get better. And she's uh, she's she believes in some pretty fringe ideas, ideas that don't have anything to it, and she's. It's like you know, astrology. She's got that kind of thing going. And one of the first things I was hearing when I very first began h- hanging out at Z Talk Radio was uh, uh, this thing, uh, you know, retrograde. Ah, Mercury's in retrograde. My computer's falling up. It must be Mercury's in retrograde. And it's and they would say this kind of stuff, and they would be half joking. And I, I was like, what is what does that mean? What do you? I didn't know what it meant. And I, I have found out what it means. So this young woman posts something the other day saying that, uh, you know, it's indicating that things are really weird, something's going weird, and she asks, uh, is there, uh, she says, uh, seriously, is there something in retrograde? And uh, I took that opportunity to get a little snarky. I said, uh, if you are suggesting what I think you're suggesting, uh, you do know that the movement of the planets only appear to change direction because they are being observed from Earth, which is also moving. Uh, 
Once people realized that the sun was the center and not the earth, and that all those planets and other objects orbit the sun, then the weird apparent motion of the planets made sense. And then I, I went on to say, why astrologers still cling to this nonsense? And then I stopped myself and said, oh, why ask? And I, she never did respond to that. But she had another Facebook friend of hers come in. And she's asking, is anything in retrograde? And this friend of hers didn't read my comment. She comes in and says, nope, just came out of it, but you certainly can't tell. That's for sure. <laughs> And I thought, oh, do I say something? Do I say something? Okay, I will. So I wrote, that is for sure. You just can't tell what any of the planets are doing, unless you use a telescope and or physics. But just going by your feelings? Nope, you certainly can't tell. <laughs> no response. Nothing. Nothing. But, you know... Eh, they, some uh, of them uh, are kind of used to it and hearing me um, or, you know, coming in and throwing the wet blanket <laughs> on, their, on their fun. But, you know, it, the planet is moving along just fine. See, when it's in retrograde, it apparently... If, uh, I, saw, I learned this on Cosmos, uh, the original series with, uh, with uh, Carl Sagan, and he was showing... There was computer graphics showing the orbit of, of planets, the apparent orbit of planets, the movement of them, as it appears when you're looking at it from Earth. And so you're watching the path of, let's say, Mercury coming around, and then it's moving around it, you know, going this way, going this way, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, it's looping back on itself, and now it's looping back around, and it's going back in the direction that it had been going before. And these planets are doing this kind of thing. And so what the heck is that? It wasn't until smart people, smart sky watchers, astronomers and such, figured out, oh, the sun's in the middle, and everything's going around it, including us. That's why these planets look like they're doing something weird. They're not doing anything weird, and even if they were, it wouldn't have any effect. <laughs> it's... Uh, I, you know, why astrology still has any kind of a finger hold on anything is beyond me. But at least I get to be a little snarky once in a while. Well, right now i got to take my break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll be back momentarily, so just sit tight. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Delphal News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit DelphalNews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Delphal News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Delphal News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network.
And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. And speaking of history, which I was at the top of the show, but then I started talking about astrology uh, and planet movement. Speaking of history, well, I have to talk about this. I can't, you know, I can't not talk about this. I'm recording this show on Friday, January 20th. And every four years on January 20th, for a long time now in the United States, it wasn't always on January 20th, but it's been for a number of times now, um, there is the uh, relatively peaceful transfer of power from one administration to another, unless that administration happens to be reelected, and then it's transferring the power back to itself. Uh, anyway, um, and that happened today. And uh, so we have the 40 fifth president, uh, Donald J. Trump. And there was something that bothered me uh, about the about the inauguration today. There was one thing that, that bothered me, and that was um, uh, just as, uh, as the, our, our new president was uh, coming out, he was president-elect still, uh, just as he was coming out to, uh, uh, you know, for the ceremony and the oath and the you know the swearing in and the and then his speech. Just as he was coming out, I said I, I noticed. You know he's wearing a nice suit. I'm sure his suit must cost, you know, more than what I make in a year, <laughs> or maybe half a year. I'm I'm his tie is probably more than I make in two weeks, but yet you know so he's he's got nice nice clothes, right? You button the button on your suit. When you are standing, there are rules to this. Now, last uh, winter, in 2016, um, with the tax refund money we got, I, I, I bought myself a suit. I've never owned a suit. I'm now in my 50s. My parents ain't getting any younger. Hint, hint, if you know what I mean there. If you know what I mean. I should own a suit. Because I'll wear it at least twice. You see, I, my, both my mom and dad are alive at this point. And I know it's kind of macabre, but that's the joke I made with them <laughs> when I went over to show them my suit. I said, well, you guys ain't getting any younger. And I figure I'll wear it at least twice. <laughs> and I thought, I thought you might like to see it, you know, because you won't be able to see it. One of you, maybe, but unless you both go on a fiery car crash or something. Where dad goes quietly in his sleep and mom is screaming. Anyway, there are actually rules to this thing about about a suit coat. You, if you have, if it's one button, the button is always buttoned when you stand. If you're standing, that's buttoned. If you have a one button suit coat, if you have two buttons, the top button is always buttoned. If you're standing, the bottom one never buttoned. Never. Then why is it there? Is it just there to give moral support to the top, the button above it? You can do it. You can hold the jacket together. You, I wish I could help you out, but the rules are I just I just hang here. If you have a three-button suit, then the options are this. You can button the top button and the, the second button, the middle button, leaving the bottom button unbuttoned. You can do it that way, or you button the middle one, leaving the top and the bottom ones unbuttoned. But you always button that middle one. You can optionally button the top one, but you never button the bottom one, which again is there just for moral support for the other buttons. This doesn't make sense to me, but that's the rule. That's what you do. So there's now now maybe the president is making this is the new trend. Nobody don't button your buttons when you're standing with your suit. If you sit down, you unbutton it. Man, I've been I've been noticing that when I watch the old reruns of the Carson show and I see the guys come out wearing suits and when they sit down, that gets unbuttoned. And I noticed this as well. Uh, the old Columbo episodes. I don't know if the new Columbo episodes or the newer Columbo episodes. There aren't any new ones because Peter Falk died some years ago. But um, 
the old ones, the original ones. Now you know Peter Falk. You know he plays the Columbo character as very rumpled, and he's got it's the same light brown suit and tan shirt and a brown tie, and it's the same thing all the time. The raincoat thing, and he's you know he's rumply, and it looks like he's slept in the suit forever, and and all that, and it's all part of his character, right? I noticed something. He's got a two-button suit jacket, coat. He buttons the bottom button and not the top one to make it look even more off, I guess. Uh, of course, that bottom button must be confused because it thought that the rules were, I'm moral support. I'm not supposed to be buttoned. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's a button. And that got me thinking. Now, I've gone on this rant before. But for those of you listening on iTunes, which thank you for subscribing, please tell other people to subscribe. And leave a good review and a nice rating if you like the show. If you don't like the show, you don't have to listen. But just continue to download it. Just download and delete. I think I've said that before. Uh, anyway, in the old show that, are, that you can still find on the ZTalk Radio archives page, ztalkradio.com, go there, go to the show archives page, you'll find most of the original 300 shows that I've done. I did this rant uh, back then. But for those of you who are new to this, here it is. Uh, when, when did it become fashionable for suits, for suit jackets especially, the coats or suit coats, I don't know what it's called. When did it become fashionable for them to not fit? When did it, be, when did it become fashionable for them to be too small? Now, there's the skinny pants thing. I'm, an, I'm aware of the skinny pants thing, which I, I saw some article that says that the big pants are coming back, the, like the really big, fat, wide, fat leg pants that were big in the 90s, which I looked at those and I thought, why? You know, it's just like the fashion industry or the cotton industry, it was mainly jeans, that uh, were done like that. They must have been making a pretty good chunk of change by all that material being sold because it's just going to waste. I mean, the pants were huge. They were almost like dresses, which is, okay, fine. If you want to wear what you want to wear, fine. But it just looks silly. Now, the skinny pants thing. Some guys can pull it off. You shouldn't be bow-legged because, boy, it's really going to show that you are. Uh, and, and, and not only does it have the skinny legs, but it's got the, the low waist. You know, the hip hugger waist, practically. And again, if you're a guy that's of a certain body shape, you got, you know, good tone and muscly, or not, not overly muscly, but you know what I mean, at least a swimmer's build. If you can with guys that's got like that, then the suit looks probably pretty good on you. You know, the pants being skinny and the low waist and all that. But if you've got a little bit of a gut, now see, have you ever watched on uh, uh, Netflix the, the Daredevil, the series Daredevil? I don't. I don't know the name of the actors, but the guy that plays Matt Murdock or Daredevil, you know, he dresses in the suit that's got kind of the skinny legs and it's got the it's got the low waist and the and the suit jack suit coat jacket whatever that's too small. He dresses like that. He pulls it off much better than his partner. And again, I don't know the name of the actor, but the guy his partner is named Foggy Nelson. Now Foggy is a little chubby guy. He's not fat. He's not a huge guy or anything like that. But he's a little chubby. He's got a bit of a gut. He's got you know. He's got a couple extra few pounds on him. He looks, now maybe it's a choice. Maybe they want him to look a little dumpy. Maybe he puts on this suit and it's, it's when he puts his hands into his pockets, which he does a lot, stands with his hands in his pockets, he has to, it looks like he's reaching down to put his hands in his pockets. It's not relaxing his arms by putting his hands in his pockets. No, he's reaching down. And the, he's got a bit of a gut. So that makes his torso seem really long and his gut, more pronounced that in his pants being solo you know i'm not asking that we go back to the days of the 1960s and and earlier where the 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 waistband from the from the from the the from the crotch to the top of the waist could be you know up to your belly button or covering your belly button but in those days the big guys the guys with the guts they didn't have them spilling out over the top of their pants because their pants would go up over the gut you know just you know think of uh, uh, um, Alfred Hitchcock and what what he looked like wearing his suits uh, William Frawley on I Love Lucy just just watch an old I Love Lucy episode and see how you know William Frawley's pants fit on him and then look at Ricky Ricky does not he's not he's a heavy guy but his pants were up there but that's the way that that was the fashion i'm not asking going back to that but can we get a little more 
a little higher in the waist with these guys. It, it just, it just, I don't know. There's just something wrong. But the suit coat is too small. When they're standing and they're wearing it properly, following the rules, buttoning the top one, but leaving that one unbuttoned, you know, way to go, top button, you can do it. When they have that button, it looks as though the, the jacket is straining a little bit across their chest, and the shoulders seem just a little bit narrow. Don't want to go back to the 1990s necessarily with, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, David Duchovny on the X-Files and his suits. Now, he looked good in them, but I've looked at the show since, and it looks like he's swimming in them a little bit because they are pretty big. The shoulders are pretty big, and, you know, there's a lot of material there. So we could probably take in a little in from that. But I'm, I'm watching these guys. There's some young guy that was the, uh, I don't know if he still is, but he's one of the weather guys for a local news channel. And he wears these suits. So what you, when he's got it on, he's got the top button button, the second button not buttoned, and below the, the top button that's buttoned, you could, the suit begins to open up so you see the bottom of his tie and his belt buckle. You shouldn't see that. It's, that I don't get it. So when I was buying my suit last winter, when I was buying my suit... Uh, you know, I went in and I said, I want, you know, I was seeing some of the options and I saw a classic fit. I said, I want classic fit. I says, I don't want this new stuff where the suit likes it's, looks like it's too small. I want a cla- the classic fit because I don't, I probably won't wear this suit very much. Probably won't wear it for another, I don't know, 10 years. If I, well, hopefully, you know, who knows? You, know, you never know. You, you never know. But, I, I do, you know, if I have the suit for a long time, I want it to look decent it certainly won't look worn <laughs> because i don't plan on wearing it very often so far i've i've worn it once and that was to have my wife take a picture of me wearing it i suppose i'll have to put that on the show notes page at uh, dimland.com go to the dimland.com you can find click on the blog option and you'll find my page you can also click on there's a cafe press store with a bunch of my art stuff and there's my my online portfolio you can go look at that a bunch of art stuff there i do have some talent i'm not just a you know a motor mouth kind of guy i do have some talent out there so uh what i'm going to do then now that i've done my suit rant <laughs> uh i'm going to uh head to break um yeah, that sounds like a good idea, don't you think so? Well, hang on a second. I gotta get the uh, thing called up. There we are. All right, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Doctor Jim Fitzsimmons. I shall return. I promise. After this break. when your body says I'm tired or I'm hungry what if your body said something else might be wrong gynecologic cancers cervical ovarian and uterine cancers have symptoms so pay attention if your body says something may be wrong please listen learn the symptoms get the inside knowledge about gynecologic cancers a message from HHS and CDC's inside knowledge campaign when, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio network you're listening to z talk radio the number one choice for music sports news and talk radio so keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com
Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. And before I forget, when I was talking about history and the rock music stuff and the Led Zeppelin name and all that, I told you that the story that I heard, the story that I had in mind when I was talking to Craig about how I, what I knew about the name, uh, I decided to try and find where I heard that story. Where I where did I get that? And the only thing, the only place I could think to look was uh, there's a there's a biography about the Who that was published in 1983 by a fellow named it was written by Dave Marsh, and uh, it's called Before I Get Old: The Story of the Who. It's a rather sizable book. It's like four or five hundred page five hundred something pages, and it it goes through the history of the band uh, right up and until right after they hung it up in 1982. Uh, now, of course, we know that wasn't permanent, uh, but uh, Townsend had kind of had it, and just, he wanted to go do solo stuff, and so they just kind of disbanded the band, and uh, they came back together for Live Aid, and there was uh, Townsend did a solo album called uh, uh, The Iron Man, uh, a musical, in which he had other artists come in and sing songs, uh, his his compositions, and himself sing a few songs. And uh, he brought in uh, Roger and John to, you know, reform The Who, do a couple of tracks on there. A cover of uh, uh, the song Fire by Arthur Brown and his band of Renowned, or whatever they were called. I, I don't know, it was crazy fire show. I don't know what the name of the band was, but something like that. And then some other song. And... Uh, and then they got back together a couple of times to tour because John Entwistle was incredibly in debt. I mean, way this let's you know these the tours could have been called "Let's Get John Entwistle Out of Debt" tours, because they'd make plenty of money, and he just it all went to his creditors. You know, Townsend was talking about you. You'd hand John a check for a million dollars and just right over to his creditor. So, um, I I look through the book before I get old. And I couldn't. I, I, all the I looked up all the Jimmy Page references, all the Led Zeppelin references, and the only thing that's in this book is a parenthetical sentence. It was uh, talking about. Uh, it was in a paragraph that was about uh, the song "I Can See for Miles," which was a disappointment to Townsend. It's a great song. It just wasn't as successful as Pete thought it should be, and he was a little, he was disappointed about it. And I guess Dave Marsh was making a point that some of the things that uh, Pete was uh, envisioning because of that song not doing so well, like they, they hadn't really thought about doing albums quite the, the way albums would start to be getting done later, and they weren't sure they were good for the... He, he, Pete thought he was losing the knack of the singles market, you know, meaning uh, records, not uh, people not married, not, not, not that kind of market. And parenthetically, at the end of that paragraph, it says, One of his visions was of John and Keith finally going off with Jimmy Page to form a band called Led Zeppelin while he, Pete Townsend, became a soundtrack composer. That's it. That's all there is in the book. I can't find any other reference to how Led Zeppelin got its name. or It's just... And that even that it doesn't even say anything about his name. It does say that you know he thought that Keith, John and Keith were going to go join Led Zeppelin, but so I have no idea where I heard the story. No clue. You know the book that that, that Craig had, and it makes more sense because it's about Led Zeppelin, has a more you know definitive story about the name. But I, it's weird. I don't know where I heard it. No idea. This is the only. This is the only book about the Who that I've read. I've got a couple other ones, but you know, they're coffee table style books. This is, you know, this is an actual serious book, not a coffee table book, which are serious books, but they're not, you know, they're not. It's not generally meant to be. I don't know if people re actually read coffee table books, or if they just, you know, get them and look at the pictures. Maybe browse, read some of the stuff. But I don't know. Does anybody actually just sit down and read a coffee table book? I've tried, and I end up just kind of eh, set it aside. Um, Okay, it, uh, I guess fairly recently, a video has surfaced on the internets uh, that is uh, alleged to show a family of Bigfoots. 
and yeah, okay, okay, about half a dozen of them. That and it's a video that was captured from the the cameras that Yellowstone National Park has out and around the park. You know, just to kind of track animal movement and such, I guess. And it showed up on uh, I think Doubtful News's page on Facebook, or if not, uh, or Monster Talks page. Yeah, probably Monster Talks page. And I saw the I saw the still image that is included with the the article posting. You know, you l click on the link, you'll go. But the the still image, you know, <sighs> cameras have gotten better and better. They've gotten easier to handle. They've gotten cheaper. They've, they're everywhere. Everyone has a camera, just about everyone. I mean, they're all over the place. They are ubiquitous. They're not these old things with film that you had to put in them. They're not clunky. They're not, you know, my parents had a camera that you, you held it down by your waist and you looked through the top of it to get the, you know, focus the picture and to take the picture I you know that's the kind of camera they had my wife would love to have that camera she has some old cameras she would love to have that old camera that my parents had but uh, it's long since gone away that it's it, they're not like that anymore they're not cumbersome they're just they're right there you can take pictures everybody's got a camera you got video on the damn things it's just like and if you would please hold the camera so it's portrait oh goodness gracious so it's not portrait that is landscape, and I've been oh, Facebook Live. I hate you. Now I'm told there is a way to do Facebook Live where you can format the camera to be vertical, not vertical, horizontal landscape. Oh, get it right. Get it right. <laughs> but nobody does that, or virtually nobody does that. And I keep even I see the ads on TV, and they got these these narrow. I'm look at me. I'm looking at the scene through the crack in a door. I, I've got stuff cut off on the sides, but I'm looking at the scene through a crack on the door. I don't get it. It's just ugh, I'm gonna have to learn to live with it. I, I've I've almost learned to live with people calling licorice black or red. Licorice is just black. It's not red. Licorice is a flavor. You know, I've almost I've almost come to grips with that and now I'm just gonna have to learn how to deal with people who can't format their videos <sighs> anyway what was I talking about oh yeah so there's so these Bigfoots and the still image is just half a dozen black blobs it's 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 ridiculous and I I, I looked at him and so I just, I just went well what you got there is a family of blob squatches and then I kept looking at the image, and I thought, you know, the shapes of those images is... Again, I haven't watched the video yet, but I'm looking at the still, and the shapes of them are kind of reminiscent of American bison, if they are moving toward the camera or away from it. That kind of... that shape. And I went out and looked online for some images of, you know, herds of, of bison. Note that I'm saying bison and not buffalo. Even though most everybody calls them buffalo. But hey, you know. Of bison, I found one of a group of them move, walking toward the camera. And I'd be dogged if those shapes were very similar. So I, you know, I, 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 I pulled the picture off the internets and I cropped it a little bit and changed the size of it so it wasn't so huge. And I put it into that, to that comment thread. And I said, well, seriously, you know, it looks to me like it, you know, couldn't it be... Uh, you know, some bison moving away from or toward the camera, and I and I put that picture there, and a couple few people liked my comment. One of them, David Gorski. That's kind of cool. David. Now, if you're not in the skeptical movement, or if you don't know a lot of the people that the, the higher up people involved in the skeptical movement, the ones that are way up there above me, uh, the ones that you know that, that people actually know, uh, David Gorski is one of those guys. He may not be the top tier. But he's pretty close, and so when you get someone like him liking something I had on there, you know, I mean, this guy is a really good skeptic, and he knows how. To, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, but he's, you know, he's 
he's got the goods, and he's an actual doctor, and he's and he does a lot of science-based medicine stuff. In fact, he's one of the I think he's the editor in chief of the blog Science-Based Medicine, or at least he's an editor of it. And you know he contributes, and he's really smart, really cool. So he liked that status that I put up, or that comment that I put in. But then I thought. I, this is good fodder for the show. I could talk about it on the, on the program. And so maybe I should click the link and actually take a look at the video because you know, the link is saying the video is here. So I go and I look at it and it talks about how uh, on, I think it was on Christmas Day in 2016, this this video image was taken. And, and, and I did learn this through the comment thread that what the video is, it's a video of a video there's a, a there's a couple a man and a woman that i don't know if they're a couple couple but you know there's a couple people and and the it, the guy is using his uh smartphone device or whatever to take video off of two monitors he switches from one monitor to another and and so it's so the resolution is is already it's already crappy enough, I would imagine, from the, the from the first one, from the first video image. But taking video of a video, off of a video monitor, ugh. so the, the resolution is crappy. And you and and I learned something right there, and it was a shame on me moment. It was like, oh, shame on me. I made a comment on that still image before I took a look at the video because looking at the video, it is obvious that it's not bison. It is obvious it's a bipedal, it's a group of bipedal creatures moving about in the snow, uh, you know, grouping together at some points. In fact, according to the article, there's points at which you, it appears that uh, you know, one of the, uh, one or more of the, of the critters are patting another one on the back, you know, and that kind of thing. There's a gather there. So, hey, what do you know? There's irrefutable proof of blobs that kind of look like people <laughs> milling about in the snow now what have i been saying what have i been saying the last couple few weeks it's not it's not the phrase i've come up with and i don't even know if i'm getting it exactly right the wording exactly right but i get the intent correct that when you hear the sound of horse hooves approaching and you don't see anything yet you just hear the sound think horses not zebra Okay, or zebras. I don't know. Is that plural for zebras? Is zebras plural for zebras? Anyway, um, you, you know, think the the common, the mundane, the prosaic. Don't go to exotic. Don't go to you know rare, uh, or unlikely. Unless you're living in a part of the world where zebras happen to be much more common than horses, well then, by all means, think the other way. But most of us don't live in parts of the world that zebras are common. Horses are far more common around the world, I would imagine, aren't they? And so when you hear that sound, so when you see a bunch of blobs on a video screen, dark shaped, but you know, dark colored, shaped like people walking around in the snow, think people and not Bigfoots. That's, I mean, it's far more likely to be a group of people out in the snow. I mean, who's ever heard of that? You know, people don't walk around in the snow in Yellowstone National Park. Why, that's unheard of. Who would do such a thing? Well, <laughs> seriously? It's, it's just... It, 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 so so I, I do say, shame on me. I need to learn to be a little patient and to take the time to check out the article before I comment on it. Uh, not Don't just comment on the headline. Don't just comment there. there especially if I'm going to share the item. If I'm going to share it on my Facebook page, I damn well better read it before I post it up there. Yeah, you know, and that's because sometimes you see it, and it's and it's, it's kind of fun when you can throw it back at somebody when uh, you're in a little little debate in a in a in a uh, comment thread, and somebody posts a link to an article that they think, because judging by the headline, they think it's supporting their argument. 
But if you take the time to, okay, I'll, I'll follow your link, I'll go check it out, and you go to it and you read it and you say, no, no, dude, this is not supporting your argument. This is pointing out, this happened, a friend of mine, uh, he, he was uh, uh, in this post thread of a comment that, uh, that was about Snopes being biased, politically biased, Snopes.com. And and he was getting into it with a, with a skeptical friend of mine on Facebook, and he, they're going back and forth, and they're linking stuff. <laughs> My friend links to an article that was written by a libertarian that, you know, the headline, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but the headline seemed to indicate that the article was going to be about how biased uh, uh, Snopes is. And, and I, I went and I read it, and it's not. The guy concludes that, you know, Snopes is a really good source. They, they vet their stories. They have, story, they have stories that are, are uh, you know, where they find stuff that's not true about the left. They point those things out and they find stories that aren't true about the right they point those out they seem pretty you know pretty even-handed and you know that was the guy's conclusion but my friend thought judging by the headline and again i wish i could remember what it was judging by the headline that what they were saying was that yes yeah, snopes is politically biased and uh, you should <laughs> it was like it was like the headlines are like uh, uh news uh, Snopes and the Internet, or something like that. I, I don't know, fake news, Snopes and the Internet, or something like that. Um, or And liberal bias, or something. I, I can't remember. Don't expect me to remember. When, you know, when, like, memories aren't videotape, and my, my brain's not a steel trap, although it's all in there. It's all in there, boy, I tell you. And sometimes it comes out and. Good night, oh. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well. That snuck up on me. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. Uh, thank you for listening. And again, if you like the show, give a good rating and a good review on iTunes. And tell people to subscribe to it on iTunes. I want to get some more downloads. Uh, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. This is the ZTalk Radio Network. And I'm reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. in. Well, well, I'm going to hell. Okay, so there's not going to be any kind of a uh, Easter egg at the end of this episode. Uh, so you don't have to hang around and listen to the end of the show to hear if I talk about something at the end because I'm not doing that on this show, not this week. So there will be no little bit of an end talk at the end of the show. I, and don't expect that it's going to happen every program either because it's, it's not. But uh, it definitely there isn't going to be one at the end of this week's show, the one that you just listened to. There won't uh, Oh. Uh, oh, right. <laughs>